DJ PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's time to welcome Yogi Roth back to the show. You see him on the Pac-12 Networks, frequently on here in the morning with us, and we appreciate having him back. Yogi, good morning and congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sounds like congratulations because it sounds like the new commissioner is a fan of the Pac-12 Networks, and I think that immediately <laughs> makes you a fan of the new commissioner. Like, this guy's smart. My employment seems like it's in better shape right now. I like this guy. Oh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, watching the press conference, you were like, you, got, you heard that line, and uh, I was excited about it, as, as we all should be, right? We know the potential of this thing. I, I met George years ago. Um, I was reminded on YouTube yesterday. We interviewed him actually on the Pac-12 Networks. We made our announcement to go to Las Vegas for the football championships and, of course, adding from the basketball championship there. And he was, he was really easy to talk to. But I think the number one thing in entertainment is likability. I learned that at 19. I went to Bristol on my spring break, and I watched the Heisman Trophy ceremony in their control room as a student athlete in college. And the executive producer said, the number one thing is likability. Watch Herb Street right there. He's really likable, right? And I've always remembered that. And watching George yesterday, I was like, likability was jumping through a Zoom screen, right? Imagine in person, right? We had an all-staff meeting with him uh, yesterday for a little while as well at the Pac-12. He's going to do great. Uh, I'm really excited about him. I think for all of us, you know, you heard the name. and Because nobody knew anything. Like, legitimately, nobody knew anything. And you had pause. uh, You did a little research. You read about him. You remember that you met him. At least that's kind of was my journey. And then I sat there and, and gave him the benefit of the doubt and listened in and heard his vision for our building and our conference. And I was like, let's go, man. Like, I can't wait to throw it out for you. And, and all of my colleagues share that same sentiment. Uh, we're excited. And you guys know this being in the footprint you're in. The potential around the Pac-12 is immense. Uh, the reality around the Pac-12 is as competitive with any other league in the country. The problem is that the narrative got a little bit out of whack. And I think that, you know, it's a true reset with now a new commissioner, Martin Hanks running football. Um, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I think our head coaches and ADs are excited about it. And I think it's gonna be really, really cool. You know, whatever we get out of them a decade, if you you imagine that, uh, you know, the next era of PAC 12 sports, specifically football is really exciting. That's funny. You say that because all the stuff you saying except for the opportunity that you had to interview him. Those were my exact sentiments. I didn't, I, I didn't interview him, but I hear the name. You immediately get on the Internet. You start looking him up. And for us, it was 11 o'clock in California. For us, it was noon. I made sure that you know I'm sitting down at noon, fire up the uh, station, make sure I got everything covered. And I've told you, you know, I'm a Pac-10 guy, graduate of ASU, so I go way back. This is my conference. I feel a, a personal connection to this conference. And and DJ can vouch for this. We were talking about this earlier. And I said, now, I didn't know the guy from Adam, but yet he was on that thing for about a half hour, 40 minutes, whatever it was. And I came away, and I said this very thing. You used the term likability. I came away with thinking that this guy's a people person. And when you go to get stuff done, being a people person really, really matters. And that was this was my very first impression of him. And it seems like it's in total concert of what you said. Uh, How important you think going forward as he tries to he's got a lot of stuff that he needs to get done. 
is that being that people person necessary to be able to accomplish what you want to get done? Yeah, I think, you know, in the NFL right now, what do they always say? And the trend right now is not X's and O's, it's communicators. Right? That's like the, the, the lingo used in the league right now in terms of hiring head coaches. I think it's the same thing in really any profession, right? Can you hire somebody who has a high level of emotional intelligence, which would loosely be defined as having the capacity to deal with your thoughts and the thoughts of others with empathy? And I thought even his answer to the Pac-12 Networks question uh, had exactly that because he knew 200 employees were sitting there kind of waiting on, you know, all the rumors and innuendos and things that you hear. Uh, in addition to many other topics, uh, he, he carried that. And if you look at his background, to your point, right, this guy helped launch uh, Hulu, you know, the Olympics with NBC, uh, one of the largest media companies in the world, let alone what he's done at MGM. The amount of personalities he's been around and egos he's been around probably mirrors college football. And I don't know if any of us or any of your listeners could name, you know, 12 high-level executives in any of those companies combined. But I bet they're very similar personalities to the 12 personalities we all know as head coaches in football, right, or in men's basketball or any other major sports in Pac-12 play. And you have to be able to, as he said, go on this listening tour, you know, make sure that people feel empowered. And then it's on you to make the call, right? It's educated. It's well thought out. It's well versed. It's got great input. But that's really, to me, the job is to serve the schools. What's best for the schools? And I think the definition of the schools it has changed a little bit over time. And I say that because if you look at, you know, when Commissioner Scott came in, I think Twitter just started, right? Look at it now. I, just, I presented to the head coaches last week, and I talked about the narrative of the Pac-12 and how it's not only shaped by a third of their voices, but also now a growing number of player voices, right? So we got to make sure we empower these voices with, the, the knowledge, the wherewithal, the resources, the support as the narrative changes and, the, and you know, the, the game and the field relatively changes a little bit. So I, I'm excited for him in that regard. Uh, and I know all of my colleagues are as well. We're, we're looking forward to getting to work. Uh, I can remember meeting him at media days a couple of years ago. And, you know, it, what I, what I felt yesterday, I felt then really likable, easy to talk to. Well, this guy seems really innovative, low ego, high output, right. But strong, Right. You felt that yesterday on the Zoom when he was asked a bunch of challenging questions like you can have a strong personality and sensibility around him that you want to get behind. And I think for us as a sports entity, my last point on it, man, is we all come from the background of sports. And what do you want in sports? You want to be coached. You want to be led. You want to compete. You want to take swings. You want to go for it on fourth down. Like a lot of things I think, uh, you, know, you know, Commissioner Scott did. And I definitely know all of those things are what everyone in our building wants to do, let alone the people in the 12 respective, you know, athletic departments around this conference want to do is get after it because the narrative got a little out of whack, right? It got lazy and it got inaccurate. And I think by the changing of the guard, uh, you know, truly a, a new change will give it a new narrative, even for those in the East Coast or the Southeast that don't want to do a lot of homework, even for them, it's going to have to change. And, and I think that's a real positive for our conference. Well, I think I can hear the whole uh, breath of fresh air thing that, uh, you know, new leadership. And PK knows a guy I went to college with, used to work in the conference office. He's been gone for a while. But he was there, and he said, it isn't on the inside 
what it looks like from the outside. There's a lot of impressions of Larry Scott and the people right underneath him that aren't accurate. He says, but there's also things going sideways on the inside that the people on the outside don't have any knowledge of. And he said, I like it, but he says, and he was going to have a career opportunity. He was going to move on to something else anyway. He says, I'm leaving, but I like it, but I get that a lot of people here are beaten down. And it is not good. And so all the things that you say about his personality, I think, are really important because when my friend tells me there's a lot of people beaten down here, I 100% believe him. And so to the degree this guy can inspire. And another thing you said there, have you been talking to Chris Hill lately, Joe? Or Yogi? Joe. I have, I have not. Uh, so Chris Hill yesterday, I talked to him, and he didn't want to come on the show. He was willing to share some thoughts, but he didn't want to be out front, and, you know, hopping around on TV and radio or whatever. And he said, every, not every time, but several questions I asked him. His answer was, if he listens to the ADs and they try to problem solve together, he's going to be successful. If he's top down and he sits in his office and tries to decide stuff by himself, he's going to fail. And I asked him multiple questions, and he went back to that answer like three times. And the thing he says, I think if you're taking anything away from this, I think he needs to work with the ADs. He said, Larry wanted to work with the presidents. He says, but none of the presidents come up through the athletic department. This isn't their front porch. It's the school's front porch, but it's not their life experience. He says he's got to work with the ADs. And if he does, he'll probably be successful. And I think he will, right? I mean, it's not like he came into the job without any knowledge of what went on before him. Right. And I think that was well discussed. Right. What you referenced and mm-hmm. Commissioner Scott even referenced it or, you know, around, you know, talking to the ADs, you know, in, in probably greater depth or detail. I'm not, I'm not really sure exactly how those meetings went, but he, he would reference that. So I, I think you're right. I think he'll enter this job really collaborative. Right. And, and again, that's the state of the conference. This is not uh, just the ACC where you have Clemson. And that's it in football. And no respect to my beloved Pitt Panthers. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's kind of the deal. Or in the SEC, it's Bama and everybody else. But the Pac-10 was that, at least from the outside looking in. It was SC and then the rest of everybody. But that, that's not what it is now. It's, it's more competitive. And I think because of where we're positioned, uh, in the narrative of the conference, the, the cultural playoff reality, unfortunately, over the last eight years or so, is that it's got to be rising tide, float all boats. And then when you have a team, separate. Maybe it's Oregon, and they're 8-0. You double down. But my biggest point, I think, is a 21-17 win in the Pac-12 is considered kind of an ugly win, right? Let's just say it's Oregon over Cal or Oregon over Oregon State, right, in a rivalry game versus in other conferences, it's a gritty win. And that could be Ohio State over Indiana, right? It could be Alabama or, you know, over Tennessee, right? And we all know, and I know after this year specifically, watching a lot of other conferences' football games, those teams are not that good, right? They're not um, like the Oklahomas, the Texases, the brands that just get the Michigans, that get the benefit of the doubt, the Penn States. They're not world beaters. Right? I'd put Cal up against any of those, right? If you want to say Cal is, you know, the top third but lower of the top third in the Pac-12 over the last couple of years. But in that conversation, I'd put them up against every one of those teams. So I, I think for him coming in and, you know, listening to everybody, as you referenced, is going to be something that he's doing. Uh, in respect to – people in the building being, you know, as you said, beat down. I think that the last year and a half has really been tough for everybody in every profession and specifically one in sports where the goalposts seem to move every day, right? Games being canceled, 
you know, having to reshuffle production trucks, you know, the air, air date schedule, uh, let alone the testing, the protocols, the contract tracing, the local ordinances that would go on in Berkeley versus Salt Lake City. Uh, I think everybody feels that, man. You know, I don't know if you feel that too, but I, I think no matter the profession, right? Like whether it's teachers at my son's kindergarten class or us at the Pac-12, like I think the year has compounded a feeling of, you know, traditional exhaustion in your job. So I, I think this coming break here, we got two more spring games. Uh, I want to say there's, you know, maybe less than 20 events for the Pac-12 networks and the Pac-12 schools before the summer break. That break's going to be so welcomed that I think when we come back to media days in late July, it's going to be awesome. It's going to feel like it did year one with Larry Scott or the years where SC was rolling and you knew you had a legit contender. Uh, I just, I get that sense. And, and I, and I think that I'll feel that when I talk to you guys in the morning of media days, like we've done every year. So we know that he could do some stuff from the television aspect and, and negotiating deals and getting, the Pac-12 network on greater distribution. I have direct, but I probably five years ago, I said, I got, I got to get more, actually more so for basketball uh, for the Pac-12. So I bought Comcast. So I got two in my house and, you know, I got to watch the Pac-12 network and I watched the, uh, I'm at stadiums on Saturdays, as you know, but you know, during the week, you could rerun the, the shows that you guys do, and then I always make sure, because I'm at a stadium with the Utes, that I'm watching those 60-minute games that you do. And I became, I came away impressed with the product, and it was uh, disappointing that it doesn't have wider distribution. So I get that he can do that, and if he does do that, that's a home run right off the bat. But I'm wondering what you think a change in commissioner can do as far as elevating the talent level and keeping these kids who growing up and go to high school in Pac-12 cities within the conference so we don't have the quarterback for Alabama and Clemson being from the Pac-12 territory. What can commissioner do to help that? Well, that's a a real fun conversation, right? Like, you know, you can go specific to those two young men, right? Bryce Young committed to SC, and then they play a true freshman, and he leaves, rightfully so. DJ, going to Clemson, he's going to start there. SC chose Bryce over him, so he chose Clemson. So I think in that instance, it's it's not, you know, necessarily the point that you're probably trying to make here. Yeah, yeah, uh, gotcha. to the point that I, To the point I think you're trying to make, I think what the commissioner can do is provide moments, just like in recruiting, where – you're in the dialogue, right? Think about like when Jim Harbaugh took over at Michigan, they offered over 250 guys. Mario Cristobal at Oregon, they're constantly offering over 200, 300 guys every season. Whereas like Chip year one, he offered maybe 85, right? So what was the point? The point was like on social media or in the recruits mind, UCLA wasn't being talked about as much as say Oregon or Michigan. I think with this new hire, we're going to be talked about a lot, right? college football playoff expansion is going to be one thing because if it expands we're rolling if it's not he's going to continue to hammer that right that was one of his major points so we're going to always be in a dialogue from a recruiting standpoint i think regarding uh exposure it's going to be great you know coaches are on the road today or talking to recruits today saying the the future of our conference is amazing number one you could already get the networks if you wanted to there's a few over-the-top services, but man, we're just getting going here with this new leadership. You want to be part of this conference. But I think that's what he can do to help 
sell the competitiveness of the conference, sell the exposure. And then I think the last one is a big one, which is the name, image, and likeness thing. Uh, obviously everybody wants the NCAA and or the government to kind of be on the same page. So it's uniform across all conferences. I don't think anybody would argue that the resources in Los Angeles or, you know, even if your school plays in Los Angeles once or twice a year and you go to school in Pullman, it's still better than going to play in Knoxville, going to play in Auburn, going to play in Gainesville. Like there's just a different market. So I think that will be something very sexy that will be appealing to a lot of these recruits. Uh, and then I think you could sell his background. But the leader of our conference is was at the forefront of sport and entertainment, dramatically better uh, than any other conference commissioner, just based on his background, right? MGM, NBC, Hulu, the Olympics, um, Hearst Media. I mean, we can go down the list. I think those are going to be the sexy things. I don't think any kid's going to go to USC to play quarterback only because there's a new commissioner, to be very clear. I, I think that the things that he'll provide the schools – is the talking points, resources, and then actual data to continue to make the argument that this conference uh, is the leading conference for players because of NIL, because of the footprint and the mindset around social justice and equity and all parts of society. I, I think there's some really cool things that, you know, the conference of, you know, the Pac-12 is just different than any other footprint around the country. And I, I think those are the things that you sell. And then probably just a fresh narrative. Right, like I don't, I don't think you can kind of beat down the lazy term of "Hey, the Pac-12, they're in trouble." The leadership, not really sure what's going on there. You can't say that if you're a head, if you're Kirby Smart, or if you're any other head coach around the country coming into Phoenix or Salt Lake City or Los Angeles. Like Eddie Orgeron can't say that anymore. Um, if he's trying to go get a defensive lineman out of Salt Lake City. Right? So I, I think those things help, but I, I don't know if he's gonna, you know, land the top quarterback in the country and make sure they. You know, flip a commitment from one school to one in the one in the West. Sometimes you read history books, especially about military, and they talk about uh, somebody messed up because they were fighting the last war, not the next one. World War II was different than World War One. Vietnam was different than World War Two. On and on. And I'm curious if that's going to happen uh, here in the Pac-12 because yes, a lot of things have happened in the last decade, and several things have gone wrong. And fixing some of those is it's part of the story. But you touch on name, image, and likeness, and I think the other thing, live betting on live sports as they progress on your phone. And these are supposed to be two massive new revenue streams. And I've read a couple stories that we are – name, image, and likeness isn't about getting your face on a poster or T-shirt or selling some shoes or selling, you know, something for the local car dealer. That's a very small piece of the puzzle that being a social media influencer – especially in the world of entertainment, can be freakishly lucrative. There are a lot of people in traditional broadcast media, radio and TV, who don't get and couldn't possibly pull off what some people are making off of YouTube. And that was the analogy that was drawn. And I'm curious to what degree um, the fact that he sat on the board of BetMGM and the fact that he's got this entertainment background can influence those two new things because this whole gaming thing in sports in like 10 years, it's, it's why one of the reasons franchise valuations have gone through the roof. Rich people are placing bets 5, 10, 15 years in advance that sports is about to get a lot more lucrative, which is hard to believe. Minnesota Timberwolves just sold for $1.5 billion, but sports is about to get a lot more lucrative. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited to see where we go in that regard. Uh, I'm with you on the influencer side of this thing. 
obviously the schools have leaned in. I've, I've talked to pretty much all of them on their NIL plans, and they, they vary in scope, but I think are very similar in you know the desired outcome, which is to be truthful with the players and give them real tools to develop a real brand and not just one that gets 500 bucks for an Instagram post. And to do that, you got to ideate. And I think that's where he's going to really help us um, in, in the thinking around, how do we build up a brand? So let's just give an example that might be comparable to MGM. Instead of playing at, you know, a small bar in Salt Lake City in front of 50 friends and family, how do we start there, right, if you're a true freshman? And by the time you leave the career, it's sold out at Rice Cycle Stadium. And the place is crazy and 50 plus thousand people are coming to see to see you sing your song. I think it's the same thing with these athletes. I talk to them all the time about how to share your story, why you want to begin, you know, that journey and, and quite frankly, how to do it versus just expecting broadcasters to do it or expecting other people to do it. And Utah does a really nice job of that. I think of you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit on who their student athletes are and, and what their interests are. And I think now with NIL, to your point, it's not just about, hey, let me go to Tuscaloosa and rock this, you know, commercial for a car dealership and make 10 grand. I'm sure that'll happen, mm-hmm. but it's more about, hey, how can I really develop a voice? And I think that's where he's going to be amazing as our new commissioner because he, he's really thoughtful in that regard. And I think the programs that are thoughtful regarding NIL and their players versus the programs that want to use it as a recruiting edge. Uh, I, I think it's going to end up hurting them. I think what's going to happen, and I, we've seen this happen at SC. We saw it happen at Oregon. It's happened in other places where you go sometimes for the wrong reason. You go because Coach Carroll's rolling. It's going to be easy. You go because of the Nike swag, right? That happened a little bit in Helfrich's era. He talked about that with us um, in the past. And it's hard. And now it's harder than ever to decide, do you love football or do you love what football does for you, right, which is social media, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, brand building, easy money on NIL. It's not easy money, right? You have to really work at it. You've got to be concise. You've got to be thoughtful. You have to be pragmatic. You have to have a relative plan. I think everything in our commissioner's background is going to help elevate our schools in NIL because, as, as we all know, at least in my opinion, nobody has it figured out. Everybody's just trying to do their best right now. It, it's a seminal moment in college athletics, I think over the next 18 months, as this thing becomes real, how do schools deal with it, right? How are they ahead of the curve? How are they, you know, competitive? How are they unique in the landscape? Because everything, everybody, I think, has to have a, a, a relatively unique approach based on their school and their footprint, right? Pullman's NIL plan needs to be a little bit different than USC's, and it's going to be, but it doesn't mean they can't both be dramatically successful. And, and I think he's going to be phenomenal there. Um, the betting, I think, will be really interesting. It, it just seems like it's a natural step. I don't know if it's the next step for college athletics, but it's coming down the pipe to your point. So, yeah, I, like he said, I think he said it twice in his presser, stay tuned. Uh, there, there's a lot to stay tuned for. And, and I don't think that it's going to be a lot of rehashing what happened or the way that we used to do it. I have a feeling, uh, I don't know if this is the effect, but I have a feeling if, if you're that type of personality around him, if you're like, well, we used to do it like this, I think you're going to have like one chance to never say that again. Cause I, I don't feel like that sentence is really going to float in our building. And, and I like that. I, I really like that. I like, you know, I learned this from coach Carroll 
know, his underlying philosophy was we're going to compete to do things better than they've ever been done before. And I can remember writing that in his book, right? I can remember him presenting that to the teams. He still does it with the Seahawks. I see that for us because if you look at it, and I talked to a prominent head coach the other day, if you look at the Pac-12, why in God's green earth are you leaving our footprint to go to another part of the country, right? If you like good weather, if you like diverse cultures, if you like competitive sports, they're going to get you the, to the next level, NFL, NBA, WNBA, Major League Baseball. All the numbers prove it. So now I think we just need to add to that narrative and double down. And I think this could be a, a decade where the Pac-12 does what the SEC has done over the last five to seven years, which is pull away to a degree because of the things that are going to be discussed off the field uh, like NIL. Yogi, we appreciate the time as always, and we do want to talk to you the uh, the morning of Media Day, and I hope it looks a lot like Media Day 2016, 17, and 18. Yeah, me too, man. I don't know what it'll look like, but I hope it does. (laughs) I think we we got a chance. We got a chance. Everybody just keep doing your job, you know, stay safe, Uh, mask up, you know, if you want, if you get vaccinated, if if you're into that. Uh, But whatever we got to do, I hope we can do, because I want to call you know, a Thursday night game at Rice Cycles, and I want to call it Saturday game in week one and, and just get after it with two and three days. This week one's always an enjoyable time. And, and hopefully media days will be, you know, kind of the kickstart to, to a really fun year uh, around the world, but definitely impactful football. Thank you, Yogi. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, coming up in about 10 minutes. Stay with us.